Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll be looking at this in a few moments. If you are with us on for the morning services here at Tri-City and then for our normal adult Bible fellowship classes during the, uh, the school year, you know that in the summer we change those to our summer growth series and gives us an opportunity to offer different classes, different topics, have different people teaching and kind of mix up those classes during the, the summertime. We're now in our third series of those. Uh, when we were discussing these earlier in the spring, and Pastor Jason was in our staff meeting, was asking about different classes. I had, I'd mentioned to him after one of our staff meetings that I, you know, as we were lining that up, I said, well, I'll be gone for, September, or for June, but I could do a class in, in July. And I said, you know, I, I was thinking of doing one on how we got our Bible. And so he thought that would be good. I said, you know, I, I said, I, I did this many years ago. Um, I think I had seven lessons. I think I can condense that to four. I hadn't looked at my notes yet when I had been talking with him. And I was wrong. There were seven, but it was seven points. It was 13 weeks that I had taken. So few of you are in that class and realize we were, we, I had bitten off more than you could chew. Um, but uh, looking at that, really part of my thought was a, a book that had, comes to my mind. It was written a number of years ago. It actually came out in 1999 that was titled From the Mind of God to the Mind of Man. And, and it talked about how we got the, God's Word. And really a, a number of men had written uh, sections of that, but it's, it's, it's one that's a tremendous encouragement. The title had stuck, and that was what I was seeking to do. I thought after uh, this summer, if I do that class again, it will be how we got our English Bible. And we'll just look at the history of the English Bible, and since that was where we spent most of the time. But in, uh, in looking at that, we, I had given you the outline at the beginning if you were in there, but there was the last section we never did get to, and yet it really does stand alone. It, it's kind of the culmination of all of the, the other, but it's, it stands on its own, and it's very helpful for us in understanding how God's Word impacts our life and the lives of others that when we read the Bible, that we recognize the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the process of illumination and then having a proper understanding of biblical interpretation. So I want us to consider that this evening. If you were in that class, these were the, the seven points that we had considered. I'm not going to go over that, but understanding that from God's mind to us, that how he gets it from what he wants us to understand to the human understanding is there's a process of preparation that he prepared the human instruments. That it was Jeremiah who commented that while he was in his mother's womb, that God had formed him and prepared him for that purpose. I, I think even the, when in Galatians where it talks about the fullness of time, that part of God's preparation in the fullness of time when he sent forth his son was the languages that were available the communication, the road system, but all of that, that being part of God's prep preparation, the revelation that God makes himself known, does that in a couple of ways, through general revelation, creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. So all people are without excuse. Uh, um, through conscience, 
the a person's conscience is on God's side. So when giving the gospel, always keep in mind their conscience is on God's side. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the aspect of illumination. Uh, but that's the revelation, the inspiration that God breathed out His Word. Using human instruments as the, those to communicate it, but it's God's Word. The canonization was the recognizing the books that were God-breathed. It was not establishing that, but simply recognizing that. So we took one week and looked at the first two, another week and looked at the next two, and then the last two weeks and looked at transmission and translation. And that was getting God's Word into our hand and into our language. And so we took two weeks and and looked at that, and there was so much more we could have considered. Uh, Some of the the pictures that I have from some of the other uh, Bibles, the Wycliffe Bible, the Tyndale Bible, and, and to see how the Lord used those. But understanding that just understanding manuscripts, understanding versions, translation, having a proper understanding of inspiration, and then the corollary of that preservation is foundational to a life that is characterized by doctrinal integrity and purity. But it's not enough to complete the full communication process. Just having God's Word in our language and in our hands doesn't quite accomplish what we're seeking. Why would that be? Well, it's because of the effects of human depravity. The effect of sin upon our minds and that we, the unsaved person, does not naturally grasp the things that are of God. And all the explanation in the world isn't going to change that. In fact, it, it, the, it tells us in Ephesians that the darkness is in them. So the problem isn't, well, we, we can give them the light of God's Word. The darkness is in them, and we can't change hearts. And so that's really why we look at this area and come to the area of illumination. And that's what I want us to consider this evening, because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit illuminating, turning the light on. And I want us to consider that the illumination is the divine enlightening by the Holy Spirit that enables a person to grasp the significance of God's Word and accept it as true. That, that it's the Holy Spirit that helps us. That For each of us, that would be the case. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is helping a believer to understand and apply God's, God's Word. That this is, this is what we're looking at when we come to God's Word, that to grasp the true meaning is the work of the Holy Spirit. That, that we can talk about it. You know, we, we can tell somebody, well, you know, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you may have shared that with somebody in witnessing and, and telling them that, say, oh, I know, nobody's perfect. Yeah, we all, we've all messed up. Well, that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about that you deserve to go to hell because of your sin. And if you go to that, a lot of times they're like, no, I'm not that bad. Well, what does that tell us? that they have not had that work of illumination. They can understand what the words say. They don't truly understand the meaning. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables that. If you have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look with me at verses 4 and 5. Paul has come to to Corinth. He's telling them, "I, I determined that I want to exalt Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then in verse 4, he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit 
and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And if you'll drop down to verse 14, we'll we'll see again because it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't try to use persuasive arguments to, to sway you to my position. And in essence, he's saying, because I don't want your faith to be because of human wisdom. And when, when, we, when I think of this and with, our, with our children, as they were growing up and as they had made profession of, professions of faith and, and with, with certain ones, there were times they'd come back and say, you know, but I'm not really sure about that. Well, the last thing I wanted to do was give them daddy assurance. Oh, yeah, you said a prayer. No, that, that's human wisdom. I want the Holy Spirit to be the one giving that assurance. And so we would go back through the gospel. Okay, let's look at what the Bible says. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's discuss what are, what are the concerns. Well, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the certainty that the Scriptures came from God. That when somebody says, well, how do I know the Bible is the Word of God? Well, ultimately, it's going to be the Holy Spirit that impresses that upon them. It's the Holy Spirit that removes the hostility of the natural person. Because the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, they think they're foolish. You know, how can you believe that? Well, the, the point that is made is that Scripture is inspired. We talked about this in that, in that class, that it's Scripture that it was inspired, not the writer's. But when we come to this, the Bible is inspired, but the Holy Spirit illuminates the reader. And it's, it's that impressing upon us the importance that, that we understand. We can understand the historical, the objective, the propositional revelation of God, but it can only be perceived and personalized by the work of the Spirit. And so that's why we pray that the Holy Spirit will work and change hearts. Yes, there is that objective self-attesting claims of the Bible, that, that it is the Word of God, that the Bible claims to be authoritative. And, and we understand that, we see that, that, that the Holy Spirit works in believers. But the illumination in the believer is not some mystical function that somehow these words are now different. It's the illumination will, will help use our study and our meditation not only to help us understand Scripture, but how to apply it. And so we, we recognize that, the, that our, our reading it accurately, reading the Bible honestly, reading it with a life that is seeking to o- obey, can, all of that can affect the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you, if you turn over just a page, or maybe it's across a page, to chapter 3, Paul is talking about how, how the, one of the problems with the church at Corinth was their spiritual condition. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For, every, for where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, you are, are you not carnal and behaving as mere men? And then he goes on and gives them illustrations of that and how they're doing. Well, do you think that impacted their spiritual understanding? Of course it did. 
That's why Paul said, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people. I, I had to keep giving you the basics because of the, the, the concerns about where you were spiritually. You know, the Holy Spirit didn't just readjust the words and say, okay, now I'll give you all the spiritual wisdom. They needed to submit. So understanding this, what we see is the Holy Spirit works primarily in the area of conviction to bring God's Word to bear. That it's not simply understanding, oh, now I know. But that we know how it applies to us and then we respond properly. And, and recognizing this is important. Because as we seek to give God's Word to our, to our, our children, our students as school will be starting up, to our college students, and, and as we read it, it's not just enough to know the facts. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to convict. That it's a, it's a mirror that, that we look into and we see what needs to be fixed, what needs to be changed. We allow the work of the Word to, to pierce our hearts. That it's, it's a, a sword, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and discerns the thoughts of our hearts. We don't fully understand even what all that means except that God's Word makes the heart bleed. And so we have to understand that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit is working in these areas. That the Spirit's work of illumination takes place and, and it helps us in other areas. Illumination helps us because it, it gives that validation of, of Scripture. That we know this is the Word of God. There, there are other things that help in that. The Bible claims divine authority. And, and the Bible is self-authenticating. In John 10, verse 35, it says, The Scripture cannot be broken. In John 17, 17, Thy Word is truth. And so there's, there's the self-proving of God's Word. And, and that brings confidence to us. But for a, per, a natural man, they don't get that. And, and recognizing that the Bible is authoritative because God is the author. And so it, it gives us, and again, the Holy Spirit gives us that, that confidence, and He is the author by the miracle of inspiration. So the Bible's own inherent perfections make it authoritative. It's objective truth. It's the revelation of God. And understanding that, so when we talked about the inspiration, the authority that is given, well, we, we don't delegate authority to God's Word. We only recognize it, that this is God's Word. And, and I, I say that because sometimes people will say, and I, I've heard this, I, you know, when I was doing college ministry at Clemson University as a student, I had somebody tell me this, that people will say, I don't believe the Bible is the Word of God. And sometimes they think, well, what do I do now? Because that's my source, that's what I deal with. Like, it doesn't change the facts. What a person thinks doesn't change the truth. When we first moved to Maine, we, we had purchased a home and there was no light in the dining room. Uh, there was a plate in the ceiling. I moved the plate and saw there, the wires were there. There was no light. So we went out, we bought a chandelier that we thought would work there, that would fit in well. And, and I... One summer I worked for a company where I had to do minimal electrical work, enough to have great respect for electricity, to think I can match colors of wires, and um, to be very aware of the, the concerns. And so I said, you know, I, th I can do this. I can, I can fix this light fixture. So I went down the basement. I found, you know, went to the, the box. I 
you know, turned off the, the breaker switch that I figured had to be the one going to the dining room. I could tell by the other outlets there. And so I went up and I started installing this chandelier. And I, all, I had this little question in the back of my mind that I might not have gotten the right breaker. They weren't really labeled. I thought I had. I, had, I mean, it sure seemed logical. It, it had turned off the plugs in the room. But I, and so I thought, I just need to be really careful not to touch wires together that should not be touched. And so I hooked up the, the chandelier. I hooked up the you know, one set, hooked up the ground, hooked up the other. And as soon as I made contact, the chandelier went on. And... I thought it was funny. I laughed. My wife didn't think it was quite as funny. Um, But I thought the power was off. What I thought didn't change the fact that there was power. If somebody says they don't believe in the power of the Word of God, it doesn't change the power. And so give them God's Word. Share the truth. Because God's Word is what's powerful. It's alive and powerful it's sharper than a sword. It will pierce the hearts. And I think I've shared the illustration with you, but it was at Clemson University, and I still remember it very well because I was sitting in, in a dorm room. We were talking, there were, my partner and I were talking to this young man. We'd actually come to that room to see somebody else, and we're giving him the gospel. He said, I don't believe the Bible's the word of God. And I thought, well, now what do we say? And so I just started giving him. I went through the Romans Road. I went through the Gospel of John. I'm thinking of every, every salvation verse I've got memorized, and I'm sharing it with him. And I got done, and I really, I expected him to laugh. I thought he was going to laugh in my face and say, I already told you I don't believe the Bible. And, and instead, when I got all done, he was sitting on the bed, I was sitting on the floor, and he just hung his head. He said, you know, you've given me a lot to think about. Well, it wasn't my words, it was God's word. Because I didn't know what to say. And it re- I, I, don't re- I don't know if we ever got back to that room and we were actually looking for somebody else, didn't know this person. But it sure stuck with me that God's word is powerful. The Bible is authoritative because of the author. And when we understand that, we, we understand there is the objective aspect of Scripture. But there's also the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us that this is the Word of God. That's what gives us confidence. And it is the, that ministry that gives sinful man the ability to perceive the self-evidencing perfections and qualities that are inherent to the Scripture. Sometimes I'll have a person say, well, you know, there's mistakes in the Bible. And, I, and I've, many times I say, well, okay, show me. Say, so, well, I, I don't know where they are. I've just heard that. I said, oh, so you're trusting other people. Have those people ever been wrong? Well, because faith comes by hearing in a believing way the Word of God. I want, I want them to read God's Word and to read it with a desire to understand. You know, it consists essentially of the regeneration of the mind. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because without this ministry, faith in the Scripture as an absolute authoritative truth really is impossible. The confidence that we have that this is the Word of God is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's work that brings security, that brings certainty, and removes hostility of the natural man toward the Bible. J.I. Packer said, 
This is the opening of minds sinfully closed so that they receive evidence to which they were previously impervious. It is the witness of the Spirit, not that of the church, that authenticates the canon to us. We don't need some church magisterium to tell us what is the Word of God. The, the Word of God is God's breathed out Word and it's impressed upon us by the work of the Holy Spirit. There's no revelation apart from this work. The revelation of God is already objectified in the written record. And so the goal and purpose of, of ministry is, is really that we would understand. You know, that, that my, my desire in preaching is to make the gospel understandable. It's the Holy Spirit that makes it understood. I can't do that. You can't do that. And sometimes we think, oh, that, I, I don't understand why they don't get it. It's because the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, now having given this about illumination, understand there's a difference between inspiration and illumination. The, the authority is based in inspiration. The certainty is based on illumination. The authority that this is God's Word is because it's God breathed out. The confidence that we have is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we seek to have the Holy Spirit work in our lives that as we confess our sins, as we're open, as we share the, God's truth and, and bring God's Word to bear, in, in discipling our children with discipline to use God's Word, not as a club, but, but as that lamp that will direct their path. To do this in our classrooms, to do it in, in our own personal devotions. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5, it says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. One of the things I enjoy with our Doorway Fellowship class is, is hearing people's testimony and hearing how God works. And, and I ask them to write it out, and, and some give me lengthy testimonies, others just a, a concise one. But it's always a delight to hear how God works. But you know, one of the comments that I've heard over and over, both in, in those times and, and other times, and as people share their testimonies, when they say, you know, it was, it was almost like a light went on. Or it, it just dawned on me. It just, it just came alive. What they're saying is that is the work of the Holy Spirit. They don't understand, but what that means is illumination. It's when the, the power of the Word comes to bear on that individual. I've, I've given you the illustration before. So if you were driving down the, the 202 and there's an unmarked police car. You know, that police officer has authority and power whether you realize it or not. That power is there. Now, if he pulls in behind you and turns on the light, that's illumination. That's when his power is brought to bear on your life. And there's a, all of a sudden, there's a realization that that power has special application to me. Well, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Spirit does in, in making the gospel understood. And, and so it's, it's His authority that impacts us in a personal way. 
You know, it's, it's how, it, it answers the question, how do I know the, that the Scripture came from God? How do we know the Bible is true? Well, there are many things that we could bring into that that are helpful supports, but ultimately we believe it because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That is that work of illumination. Because man in his fallen condition does not welcome the truth of God. There's a resistance. When, when, when Dr. Shoemate took us through Romans, that was the thing that comes up over and over. Romans 8, 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So the unregenerate person, the unregenerate mind, is, cannot approach subjects with neutrality. There's a, there's a hostility to spiritual things. We, we actually we refer to this in, in, when dealing with counseling situations as the noetic effect of sin. The effect of sin upon the noose, the, the mind, the Greek word for the mind. And because fallen man, the effect of sin is such that there's a hostility towards spiritual things. Now, now that, you know, in just general conversation, that's why we have to bring the gospel to bear. Because to just talk very generally, people are, are okay with that. Say everybody's sinned, yeah, everybody's a sinner, nobody's perfect, we all, we all need to do better. But to say your sin has separated you from God and because of you, that you deserve to go to hell. That's when we get the, well, and, I'm, and now we compare. You know, does God grade on a curve? You know, I'm not as bad as them. So that ought to at least move me into the C category. And if I can find a few others that are in our, my class, then maybe I can get a, a B or an A. It's like, no, we, we have to have the perfection. And none of us can do that because we've come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. It's the gift of God that is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings that understanding to bear. So recognizing this aspect of illumination and then understanding how interpretation comes to bear in this as well. And the interpretation is unfolding the meaning. It's closely connected to the aspect of illumination. But interpretation must be preceded by a spirit-generated conviction that the Bible is the Word of God, that it is infallibly true, it is inerrant, that it has come from God. So this book is different than every other book. That this book is alive. It is active. You know, we, we put a lot of books up in the hallway that you could just take and get rid of, and we got rid of a lot of books. This book is different than any other book. Because it's God-breathed. And the Spirit's ministry is necessary to arrive at a proper understanding of the significance of Scripture. You know, there, there's a difference between knowing the meaning and knowing the significance of it. The meaning is what's represented by the text. It's what the author, what God meant. The significance is the relationship of that meaning to a person, to a situation, to a concept, to, to developing a worldview that is biblical. So, so we can understand the meaning, but to know the significance, it takes the work again of the Holy Spirit to bring that to bear. In Nehemiah 8, verse 8, it says, So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. You know, I, I think one of our struggles today is we take for granted the ability to read. 
the, the literacy within our culture, but often fail to appreciate the need to be able to think and to think about complex passages of Scripture and the interworking of those. Having the Bible in our hand apart from the discipline of reading it and submitting to it, it, it's, it's really just paper if we don't read it, if we don't apply it. Scripture discloses the the truth statements, the ideas, the concepts. It's not some mystical existential thing. And and there's a a lot of discussion at at times about the work of the Holy Spirit in relation to hermeneutics. Some people think, well, if they just pray, the Holy Spirit's going to give them the proper interpretation. Others is, well, just how does it hit me? Well, this is what it means to me. Well, each of us is responsible before God for understanding and applying the message and praying for that understanding. We better not assume that just pooling ignorance or taking some mystical approach to Scripture where the you know, open and point type of thing is going to meet the mandate of being a diligent workman that does not need to be ashamed because we accurately handle the Word of Truth. That takes study. That takes work. And the, tr- the truth is, there are non-Christians that can provide some ba- valuable insights regarding biblical text because they know language or they know culture, they, they know history, they can help in those areas. And there are some Christian commentaries that frankly are lacking in those areas. But ultimately, the true meaning, the understanding, the illumination has to come from the Holy Spirit. And so meaning can be gained by those tools But only those who are regenerated have the possibility of truly grasping what this word word means. That a a disobedient person does not have the same heart for understanding. And and that's why we have to come in submission. That we we recognize how important that is. So that we don't isolate God's Word. And there are several things that we need to understand that I think are helpful for us that in in coming to it, the text can never mean what it never meant. What what I mean by that is it can only mean what God meant. And that we understand that, that we we recognize what, what did God mean with this. That God's Word to us was first God's Word to others. It addressed real-life situations and people, and it applied, and it applies to us today because it's alive. But this is the starting point, that we want to know what did, what did God mean. And there are some difficult passages. There are some that we, we still aren't quite sure how all the applications fall out. But there are, there are key questions to ask. I mentioned these. I didn't show them a few weeks ago in, in one of the, dealing with one of the Ten Commandments. But the questions about the passage is, first of all, observation. What does it say? Then interpretation. What does it mean? And finally, the application. How does it apply to my life? That, that, what, that is where it's an accurate question to say, what does it mean to me? That's a, that's a fine question for application. It's not a good question for interpretation. Because for interpretation, it means what God meant. And and so we we seek to learn in these ways. And then we seek to study God's Word. Some basic principles. Understand, we need to study the whole whole of Scripture. 
This is why we try to encourage reading through the Bible so that we see the, the big picture. All of us have favorite books, favorite passages, favorite verses. And, and that's not wrong, but if we believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that we may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, then we, we really should be on a process where we're going to be exposed to all Scripture whether it's a one-year plan, two-year plan, whatever your plan, that, that there's a process that we're seeing all of God's Word because it is all profitable. Some is more profitable for our certain situations than others. But we need to study the, the whole of Scripture. We need to interpret it literally. And again, that's within the historical, grammatical, linguistic context. And we, we've talked about this. And if, if you've gone through some of our other classes, we, we, we discuss this, we mention that. But recognizing that we, we take it literally. That one of the reasons that we understand poetry is because there's a literal understanding for words. So there's a poetic understanding. And, and so when we go to that, uh, but we recognize that, that we never use obscure passages to con- contradict a clear teaching of Scripture. So recognize Scripture never contradicts Scripture. We're looking for what is the meaning of this passage. Now, there may be many applications, but what does this mean? And then keeping it within context. That we're reading the totality of that. And understanding and seeking to interpret in, in those ways. That these are key aspects of, of Bible interpretation. That what we come to is a, an accurate understanding of the author's meaning. So in determining the context, we look at the historical aspect. When we understand what was going on at a church like Corinth, or in Rome. The history of that helps us in understanding what Paul is writing under divine inspiration. The literary aspect, as I mentioned, poetry is different than the epistles. Narrative is different than, than the Proverbs. In narr- narratives, some of the details are, are the mortar that hold the story together, that help us understand. But it's all God's Word. And that we would read it in that way. That, that we seek to determine not only the context, but then also determine the content. That God has revealed Himself to us. That, that we might know Him. That it's not simply for information. Because disobedience to Scripture will hinder understanding as well. An obedient person is better positioned to understand and deal honestly with a passage than a disobedient person. A worldly or disobedient Christian is liable, liable to have an inaccurate interpretation. And, and that's why we have to come in a heart of submission. We have to be in harmony with the Holy Spirit, not grieving the Holy Spirit. And then we don't assume because we've prayed and, and are spiritual that our interpretation is always right. We come with a humility and seeking to change and grow. Had a pastor friend years ago, he was taking a seminary class and he walked in one day and he said, I, I've been studying this passage and I've come up with an interpretation that nobody else has ever come up with. And I'm thinking, that's a problem. I don't really believe that God has hidden the truth until you came along and took the class. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your interpretation, but I'm not going to buy it unless there are others that are buying into this. Because 
we need to understand that we can't isolate one aspect. And then ultimately, do not isolate your study from worship. That, that Bible study should not simply be for information. It's given for life transformation. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That in our Bible classes, as we're teaching, that, that in our ABFs, that it's not simply to know facts, but it's to know the author. And that we're striving to have life change. So don't isolate your study from worship. That that really ought to drive us to the Lord because it's from His mind to our minds. And that it comes to our mind so that it will impact our heart. And that our desire is that we would change and grow for His glory. And recognizing the work of the Holy Spirit in this. So would you pray as we come into this new school year that the Holy Spirit will illuminate those who need to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. Our, our students and young people, that all of us will learn more about the Lord and it will drive us to deeper worship. That we might know Him, the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death, and that He would be glorified. That we recognize the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word. It's not apart from the Word, but it's through the Word, bringing the Word to bear on our lives and turning on the lights that we see how it applies to us so that we would change and grow for His glory. Let's pray together.